Okay. All right. Fun's over with now. Um, now, we are going to be serious. Uh, have fun for a minute, but I, I didn't know I was going to be preaching about this topic this morning. Most of the time, I have a little inclination of what I'm going to be preaching about, you know, uh, maybe write some thoughts down or so on and so forth. But this, this past week, I um, went to the office and my mind was really a blank slate. And I, I kind of tried to keep it that way intentionally um, so that I could pray and seek direction from the Lord. And that's what I did. And, you know, after a little while of praying, um, the Lord directed me to a passage in Matthew. Now, before we get to all that, I, I do want to, to warn everyone this morning this is a tough passage. Um, I know maybe you're sensitive or more emotionally oriented. This is going to be a little difficult this morning uh, because this can also be a slightly sensitive subject as well. Uh, I got your attention now, don't I? Um, if you have a red letter edition Bible, many of you may, the words that we're going to read this morning, they're going to be in red. And that means the man spoke them. The man himself spoke them. But before we get to those scriptures, if I may be so bold to offer a reason that the Lord directed me towards these particular scriptures. Has anyone noticed what, what I call the, the satanic, demonic, completely wicked attack that is going on now against our children? Anyone notice? Are you seeing this garbage? Anyone seeing this with their spiritual eyeballs? If you have even just a little bit of Christian discernment about you at all, you ought to be seeing this. If you have a little bit of biblical knowledge, you ought to be seeing this attack against our children. If you have just a little bit of godliness to you, you ought to be able to see very clearly the attack, the, the war that is being raged on our kids. Now, I also see an attack against our women. Women, I don't know if you know this or not, but you all are being attacked, directly attacked by the enemy. There is a demonic attack on men going on right now. There is. I hope you can see these things. But for this morning, I want to concentrate. There is a demonic, wicked, satanic attack going on against our children. And I know most of you can see it. It's in our schools. It's in our media in our television programming, in literature, in books, in pop culture, it's everywhere, this attack on these children. Now, we don't have time this morning to go over the attack that's going on, women and men. But we do have time this morning to be reminded of what our Lord thinks about attacking children. Now, first off, I'm hoping that you can see this. Can you see this going on? Amen? Can you see this going on, this attack against our children? It is everywhere. Our children are being exploited. Our children are being sexualized. That's what bothers me the most is they're being used as pawns in this wicked sexual agenda. It's in our schools. It's in the school curriculums. You've heard me preach things from this pulpit before. We've heard of the drag queen story hour. Where does this stuff come from? It's exactly right. Have you seen some of the, the horrific books that are being found and discovered in our school libraries? Have you seen any of these uh, 
um, the, the school council meetings where, where these parents are coming and they're finding these complete garbage books in these children's libraries and they're throwing a fit about it because this junk is in our schools. I mean, what is this stuff? Where did this stuff come from? Who thinks this is a good idea? I tell you, it comes from Satan himself. I mean, obviously these drag queens have some serious issues going on, so what should we do with them? I got an idea. Let's put them with our kids. I can't believe this stuff. It bothers me so badly. Disney, they went woke. And they have added their sexual agenda into their propaganda movies. They added it into their theme parks. I just watched a video from one of their theme parks with men, full-grown men with, with facial hair, dressed in these princess outfits, welcoming these little children into their stores where they sell their wares. It is an attempt to normalize sexual immorality, brothers and sisters, which is one thing if you push it onto adults, but we're talking about children. It is an attack against our children, which does make a difference because it makes it worse. Much worse. Now these things that I say to you are not rumors. I make sure that when I preach these things, I check them to make sure they're not just rumors, that I didn't just hear these things. I have seen these things. Everything that I say to you this morning, you can go make sure and fact check me that it's true. A while back, there was a college professor, I know many of you remember this, that suggested we drop the term pedophilia for a more acceptable phrase. Remember that? They call it minor attracted persons because the other word has certain negative connotations associated with it. So we, we need to, to normalize this phrase and we, we can't say this is evil or wicked. We, we can't call it out for what it is. We have to make it more acceptable with using this terminology, minor attracted persons. Children are supposed to be protected against this garbage. Protected from it. Now, the point this morning is, is not to organize boycotts on certain businesses. I know there's lots of boycotts going on right now. I know there's lots of angry folks out there right now. But if you want to cease doing business with companies that push these evil, wicked agendas, more power to you. Just don't come and look into me to be the organizer of all these things. But we see this filth in our large retail stores. Who's seen the stuff going on with Target recently? About all of you have seen it. You, you can't turn any direction and not see this junk being thrown into your face. I, I'm you're getting tired of it. Just tired of it. Check out some of the books. Actually, my family and I were doing this yesterday or the day before. Check out some of the children's books that Target sells for kids. Complete filth. I saw an ad for Kohl's. This was this week. Kohl's that obviously had the two dads in it. I mean, come on, this is June. Who, who else could there be? It had the two dads with the pride shirts on. But then surrounding them was, I don't know if it was supposed to be their children or whatever, but there were three or four little toddlers, and they too had their pride shirts on. Why do they have to add the children in there? Why add the kids? As an adult, 
with a developed mind, okay, that's one thing, but an innocent children. You mean to tell me that a three or four year old has the, the thought capacity to comprehend the sexual orientation debate? They don't even, they can't even debate, they can't even think, they can't even process these things. But there's people out there who don't hesitate to market their agenda by sticking these kids on, these shirts on these kids. And I tell you, it's wickedness. Why they had those children in there. Children have no business being subjected to any form of sexualization whatsoever. No business whatsoever. Now there may be a time when these kids grow up and become teenagers and you start to see them changing that mom or dad, you might want to have a talk about sexualization with your kids. But these kids, not children, you protect them from that. You don't use them. You protect them from it. Their young minds are undeveloped. Their young minds are impressionable. They don't understand the ramifications of sexual behaviors. We protect our kids from this garbage. They're not ready for it physically. They're not ready for it mentally. They're not ready for it spiritually. But yet we exploit our kids. They ought to be out on the playground playing with toys and running up the hill and tumbling and falling and getting scraped knees. Not thinking about these things. They should be protected from it, not used as pawns by wicked hands, from wicked minds. But rather, being protected from it, they're being exploited by it. Children. Some of you in here, and I know this for a fact, have been criticized for indoctrinating your children with Christianity. The church for many years, many, many years, has been criticized for indoctrinating kids. You know, the truth of the matter is, we do teach our kids. We do. I own it. As parents, you should indoctrinate your kids with things like, oh, I don't know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, don't lie, tell the truth. We should teach our kids things like, I don't know, let's say, the golden rule. Treat others as you would have them treat you. If that makes me a bad person then I'll own it. If you don't teach your kids, someone else will. If you don't give them some type of doctrine, somebody else will. And it might just be a doctrine you don't like. If you don't give your kids a worldview, someone else will. Mark my words, someone else will shape their minds. That is exactly what the enemy is doing right now in our culture, in our society. He's trying to get to these kids and shape and warp their minds so that he can have them for the rest of their lives. And I tell you, it's wickedness. You know, when somebody says to you, you're indoctrinating your kids with Christianity, what they're really saying is, you ought to let me indoctrinate your kids. You ought to let the experts indoctrinate your kids. You ought to let the state, the state knows better than you do, you ought to let the state indoctrinate your kids. Find a Christian way to tell them to buzz off when they say that to you. That, that's what they're saying. They're saying, hey, not you, let us. That's what that means. You know, we see this stuff all through our schools, don't we? We see it all through our schools. These woke teachers Teaching this junk to our children. Teaching them this pronoun nonsense. It's nonsense. Have you heard this phrase? I know you have. This is a 
uh, popular battle that's going on right now. But have you heard of the phrase gender-affirming care? You've heard that. Actually, states are battling over the right to administer what they call gender-affirming care. Many times at the expense of the parents' rights. They're, they're saying parents have no say in many cases. You know, the, these you got to be careful with whatever bills they try to pass. Don't just look at the name of the bill. You actually have to understand what it is. That's what they're doing now is they're naming them good things, seeming like it's a good thing. I mean, gender-affirming care, that seems very caring, seems very nice, doesn't it? Seems like it's supposed to be health care. But, but in actuality, what it's doing is giving these young children, and some of them may indeed be confused, that there, there is a, a, a real issue that can be in some of these young people. It's called gender dysphoria. It is something real. There may be kids that are out there confused. But what this gender-affirming care does is it, it gives these confused children puberty blockers and irreversible surgeries. Mutilating them for the rest of their lives. Irreversible. You know, a lot of this stuff is, is newer trends. I mean, the, these things that we're doing, they're new we don't have lots of data collected back on these things yet, but there is some data that's coming back and it's building up, telling us that it's jacking up our kids. This stuff is messing our children up, leading a lot of them to end their lives because they're so confused. They didn't have an adult in their life to tell them the truth and to give them real health care, biblical counseling. I mean... I just, I can't believe this stuff that's going on. I can't. I can't. A against children. Children. No wonder this, this young generation is the most depressed, anxious generation to ever exist. Ain't it no wonder? No wonder. So, I wonder what God thinks about all this. What does he think? You're not here today to hear what I think. Let me give you my thoughts. Let me give you my two cents. That's not what church is not about. We're going to hear from his thoughts. And thankfully, fortunately, we don't have to wonder what he thinks. We can know what he thinks because he recorded some of his thoughts for us in the word of God. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. And this is where the Lord directed me to. Love it or lump it, this is what he said. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 says, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5 says, And who shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. Look at verse 6. It says, But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believes in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. So, hang on for a minute. Let's try and process some of this. So these disciples... Similar to what we would do today. They're arguing and wondering who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who, who's the best preacher? Who is the best pastor? Who is the wisest? 
Who was the most powerful? Who was the most impactful? Who thundered from the pulpit the most out of them all? Man, I bet you I know who it is. I could guess this guy or that guy. And that's what they're saying. So they muster up the courage and they ask Jesus, Jesus, who? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Based on Jesus' response, I don't think Jesus measures character on the same metric that we do. He calls this little child into the midst. The, the Greek word there for child, it means nothing more than a toddler. What's a toddler? Two, three, four years old? Little child. Calls him right in front of him. I like how it says Jesus calls this child into the midst of them. I, I kind of visualize all these disciples. And I'm sure there were some onlookers because if there's little children there, there's obviously there are other onlookers. And Jesus uses this moment of them bickering. Who's the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's the best preacher? Who's the wisest? Who's the most knowledgeable about the scriptures? And he gets this child. And look where he calls them. Right in the midst. So Jesus making sure all you all can see this little toddler. Come on over here, little fella. Get right here in the midst. Make sure everybody can see you. And he explains that we must be converted and have this faith like a child. Now, he doesn't mean that we need to become childish, obviously. It means this unconditional faith in Jesus Christ, an unquestioning trust in who Jesus is. You ever notice, I, I, this is one of the things I love about children. When you teach them about Jesus and they start believing on Jesus, that's it for them. They don't need any more facts. They don't need any more evidence. They don't need you to convince them each and every day. They just believe on Jesus. That's just how it is with them. Any other notion to them is preposterous. They ain't sitting there wondering, well, I don't know, what about Islam? What about Buddhism? No, they just simply believe. They believe. You know, they don't further consider the matter. It's a, the case is closed to these little children. When they believe on Jesus, that's it. They believe. One of the most cool things that we've recently started with our baptism, which we just had a, a few weeks ago, is that Chad has them optionally, obviously. If you would like to make a little statement of why you're being baptized, kind of what it means to you that you are allowed to write just a little short paragraph or a sentence, or you don't even have to do it at all. But if you want to, you can write why you're being baptized. And we had a lot of kids this last round. And to, to hear their reasons for being baptized is such a blessing to me. It almost makes you want to cry. You, you ask these little children, why are you getting baptized? Because I want everybody to know Jesus is my friend. That's what some of these things they write. That's what being converted means. That's the point Jesus was trying to prove. And I notice he used a little child to teach that lesson to us. You see, there's a special connection with the Lord and children. There is there's a special connection. God has this, this special place in his heart for children. You see, in the Gospels, you read through them. Jesus would pass through, and, and a lot of times they would throng him. And people would would bring their children to Jesus, hoping that he would pray over them. And, and remember the one time the disciples said, Hey, buzz off. Come on. We got adult matters to deal with. And if you read, Jesus actually rebukes the adults. Not the children, the adults. What are you guys doing? 
Let the children come unto me. And he would lay his hands on them and pray over those children. Those parents just hoping they could get their children. Lord, do you have a blessing for my son, for my daughter? Pray over them. Pray over the direction of their life. Jesus rebuked his disciples. Kids are special to Jesus. He loves the children. You say, how do you know that? Well, we done read why. Matthew chapter 18, verse 5, it says, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. Do you understand what that means? What that means is if you play pass with your son in an indirect way, you're doing it unto Christ. Dads, listen to me. When you play tea party time with your daughters, it's unto the Lord. Because he has a special place in his heart for those children. And when you do it unto the children, you're doing it unto him. When you, dads, when you wrestle, wrestle with your kids, you're, you're, you're doing it unto the Lord. When you snuggle with your kids, you're loving on the Lord. When you teach them the things of God, you're receiving, you're embracing Christ himself. There is this mysterious connection between the Lord and children. This, this mysterious connection. He's got this place in his heart for them. When you embrace those kids, you embrace him. When you give ear to them, you give ear to God. When you take their hand in your hand, you're taking the hand of God. Because God is connected to those children. He loves those children. When you receive one in his name, you receive Christ himself. But be warned, brothers and sisters, because the opposite is true. If you harm children, you're taking a swipe at the Lord. You understand that? If you mistreat them, you mistreat the Lord. If you tamper with them, you're tampering with the Lord. If you violate them, you're attacking the Lord. It is an attack against the Lord because he's connected with these children. You say, how do you know that? Because when Jesus was talking about children, he said, Forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Their angels, these little children, their angels are always before the Father. You, you mistreat these kids... Their guardian angels are going to tell the father, hey, we got a problem down there. We got an adult messing with one of your little kids. Look at verse 6. This makes me afraid, brothers and sisters. Matthew 18, verse 6 says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believes in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. If you got a red letter edition Bible, that sentence is red. It comes from the man himself. This is a warning to anyone that messes with kids. You aren't allowed to mess with kids. A millstone was usually a heavy stone shaped so that it could pulverize grains. You know, that's how you make flour. You take the wheat grain and you, you can roll. In ancient times, they rolled this big stone over top of these grains and they could make flour out of it, other types of uh, ingredients for food. A lot of times, like you saw in the picture, they were big, heavy, and round because they needed to crush, they needed to grind, they needed to pulverize. So they were big, like our picture. The Lord Jesus is warning people 
that want to do harm to children. He's saying, hey, uh, let me give you all a better alternative. If you want to give, if you want to harm children, let me give you a better alternative instead of harming children. And that alternative is tie a millstone on your neck and go take a hop into the sea. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you want to harm kids? You want to manipulate kids? You want to damage these children? You want to mess with these kids? You want to warp their minds? I'll tell you what, make yourself a necklace and as a pendant, slap a millstone and go take a plunge into the sea. This is Jesus, brothers and sisters. Well, that doesn't sound very like a very Christian thing to say. That's because the Lord Jesus is serious about messing with kids. These kids, they're out of bounds. That's what he's saying. They're off limits. They are restricted. They're off limits. You don't get to use them as pawns to push anybody's sexual agenda. Christ restricts us from harming or warping their minds. We are severely warned in this scripture. Severely. They are to be protected and sheltered from that. We are forbidden by Jesus himself, the king, the man, the Lord. We're forbidden to damage them. They can't deal with these topics. They can deal with these topics when they're older, when they're wiser, when they're more mature, when they're more capable of handling these things and understanding them. They can handle them then, not now. Protect them from this junk now. Can you tell I get a little worked up over this? Moms and dads, you are charged with bringing up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It says that in Ephesians. You are charged with that. You know what that means in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? It means chasten them and give them instruction. Chasten them, correct them, rebuke them when it's needed. And then give them correct, good, biblical instruction. Teach them the Bible. Care for your sons and your daughters as though they're on loan to you from him. If this garbage is being taught to your kids, you better be up in somebody's business. Stand up. Be a man. Be a woman of God. Grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, y'all better sniff this stuff out of your family. Sniff it out. If you detect it, get to the roots of it. Find where it's coming from and get it out of your family. We need some praying grandpas and grandmas who pray this garbage out of their families, who pray this filth out of their kids' minds, who pray protection over their families. If your grandkids or your nieces or nephews or whoever are being subjected to this garbage, weed it out of their lives one way or the other. Pray over these kids. Lay your hands on them. Jesus did. We're supposed to be Christians just like him. You know, both of my sons, they're both taller than I am, faster than I am. Got more stamina, more energy than me. But that don't stop me from grabbing them and laying hands on them. I still do. I still do. I grab my sons and I lay hands as I'm taught by the Bible, as I'm instructed by the Lord Jesus, and I pray this filth out of their lives. 
I don't care how big they get. I'm going to pray over them. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6. Says this. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Who? Teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lay down. And when you rise up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Moms and dads, listen to me now. I know that everybody in here lives a busy lifestyle. That's just what we do nowadays. But you better make time for your kids. You have to make time for your kids at dinner time. Ask them what they thought about the sermon. Ask them what they learned in junior church. Have them explain it back to you. Teach your kids how to critically think. Our schools don't. Our schools aren't going to. You might as well. Sometimes, especially now that the boys are older and they're hard to corral anymore. But when we get a second, we might crack open the Bible. And I might read something to them. Not long ago, we read the uh, Genesis account. And you know, I, I teach my kids to critically think. I, I'll read these things, and then I'll say, what's that mean? And I make them attempt to explain it. Think your way through it. What does it mean? What's trying to be communicated through this passage in the text? Moms and dads. Do this stuff. Make those kids think it through for themselves. Make them start connecting the dots. Ask them what they learned in their youth group. What was youth about tonight? What was the point? What was the message? What would you learn? Use these things as teaching opportunities. You say, man, but we're so busy. You better make time. Because if you don't, somebody else will. Mark my words, someone else will. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20. I love this passage. It says, And when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand. We'll stop there, but it goes on to tell about the mighty works of God. This is the Bible's way of instructing us, have an answer ready for your children. Have a biblical answer ready for your kids. Teach these kids these things. Teach them about God. Teach them about the Word of God. Give them a biblical worldview. Instill these things into your sons and daughters. Instill these things into your grandkids. Instill these things into your nieces, into your nephews. The mighty works of God. When they ask questions... Give them biblical answers. And if you don't, somebody else is going to give them answers. And they might end up being answers you ain't wanted them to have in their life. I remember my mom and dad always gave me scripture-based answers. Always. Always. If I got into trouble, Bible verses. If I had a question, Bible verses. When I remember sort of getting tired of it, when I got up into my teenage years, 
you know, and he's going to tell me about the Bible. He's going to tell me how I violated the Bible again or what I've done wrong. He'll say what I did matches this scripture over here. You get tired of the creator, but it didn't stop them. It didn't stop them. They weren't afraid to offend me with the truth like all these parents are nowadays. I'm glad I had a mom and dad that spoke the truth whether it hurt my feelings or not. Moms and dads, you got to fight for your marriage. You got to fight for your marriage. You say, man, what are you talking about marriage for? We were talking about kids. Because your kids hang in the balance of your marriage. They're the casualties of war. And I know you may not intend that. I know you may try to protect them, but they're the innocents that are laying damaged because a marriage goes bad. You've got to fight for your marriage. The devil hates your marriage, and he wants your kids, and to get to your kids, he'll come through you. You've got to fight for your marriage. You can't let the enemy win. When you're, when you're investing in your marriage and you have a godly marriage, what you're doing is you're shielding your family. You're shielding your children. You're protecting them from all this filth that I'm talking about this morning. They need you, Dad. They need you, Mom. And you got to protect them from this junk. You, you see the world is just throwing this stuff, throwing it at them, throwing it at them, throwing it. It's relentless. This month of June is driving me nuts. Does anyone else say amen to that? Driving me crazy. Brothers and sisters, this whole topic that we're talking about this morning it makes me afraid. It does. It makes me afraid. You say, man, why, why are you afraid? You know? It, it fills me with fear. It, and if you think about it, I, I didn't even mention what we've done to innocent children, what's happened to them through abortion. I didn't even mention any of that. What, what God could possibly... I, I wake up every day and I, I can't believe we're not wiped off the map, to put it bluntly. This fills me with fear. We have this dire warning from Jesus. It's not an empty threat. Jesus wasn't joking around when he said, tie a millstone about your neck and jump into the sea. It wasn't hyperbole. He's warning people. He's warning people. You can't mess with kids. Don't mess with kids. And our nation is messing with kids. They are directly attacking children. I've noticed in my life that God is on a different time schedule than I am. But I'm telling you, church, this, this fills me with fear. Be, because I don't know, God is going to execute wrath at some point. He is. You're going to wake up one day, and we ain't going to live like this anymore. It's all going to change in a hurry, just like that. If I can ask the, the band to make their way back. Brothers and sisters, I, I, I hope and pray you receive this this morning. And I, I know that you see it. And I, I pray that this verse, I, I honestly believe that God wants to remind us of this severe warning from the Lord Jesus. He wants to remind us, hey, that's in there. That's recorded. It's in the Bible. I'm not removing it. 
It's in there. This, this warning, you can't harm children. And I pray that brothers and sisters in this sanctuary begin to stand up and say, enough is enough. I'm not taking this anymore. Because Jesus' millstone comment is not an empty promise. We have to protect our children. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. We're going to pray and then we're going to go into worship. These altars will be open. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we see that you aren't joking around when you're talking about your kids, Lord. You love these kids. You're connected to children, Lord. You love them. And you've charged us adults with protecting them, Lord. God, we got VBS coming up here at this church. Lord, our goal is to teach these children biblical truths. Lord, I pray an anointing over all of our VBS week, Lord, our teachers. Lord, that everyone, Lord God, would be anointed and blessed to do that job, Lord, that you've commanded us to do. God, I pray, pray that everyone in here, Lord, receives this warning from you. That moms and dads take it seriously. Grandmas and grandpas take it seriously. Aunts and uncles, Lord, that we take this seriously, Lord. And when dealing with our children, we're to deal with them as though they're on loan from you, Father God. Lord, I pray, Lord, over our marriages. I pray over our families. Lord, the enemy has just had his way in our nation with marriages. He's had his way in our nation with households. Lord, he's had his way with families and broken them up, Lord God. And Lord, it's, it's making a, a nation that is no good, Lord. It's fallen, Lord. God, I pray, Lord God, that moms and dads and, and, and aunts and uncles and, and brothers and sisters, Lord, start praying you back into our families, praying you back into our marriages. And Lord, in doing so, we will protect our kids, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that everyone in here receives these things this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. These altars are open, church. Hallelujah. Praise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemies I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah